Welcome to Multiverse of Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. I'm Podcast Form. I'm Luke. I'm Devin. And this week we're covering... Spider-Man Fairy Tales. Wait, like... Little Miss Muffet or the tale of, uh... What's the name of that woman who, like, was really good at weaving and then, like... The goddess came down and she was like... Bitch, I'm going to pull your weave out and then turn her into a spider. Shit, I don't know. Arachne. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't know. Yes, this week we are covering a series of Spider-Man fairy tales, which was part of a series of three fairy tale anthologies that also included Avengers and X-Men fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And this one was written in 2007, and all the stories were written by C.B. Sibolsky, who you may know from his uh, Twitter and Tumblr exploits, where he's always taking pictures of food that he has as he looks for talent in Asia. Yes. And the first issue of these four-part series is Off the Beaten Path, which takes place on Earth 7071. And the art was by Ricard's Tercio, with letters by Art Monkey Studios. We start off with Betty Brandt being attacked by the Sweet Tooth siblings, who are a sort of goblin-y demon pair of children who steal candy and she is saved by some variety of spider-man and we find this out because she's telling her story in court for j jonah jameson who does not like the spider-man for basically protecting the civilians when that's what the woodsmen are there and meanwhile in the back of the courtroom peter parker and mary jane watson are watching well, here we have the great thing of Betty Brandt is making fantastic little spider cookies for everyone, which sets J. Jonah Jameson absolutely off. Yeah, uh, Jameson ends up blaming the Spider-Man for the death of Gwen Stacy, which ends up getting the crowd really, really angry. And Mary Jane has to stop Peter from like getting involved and... Like, she's helped by Mary Jane's mother, who is there, and is not really given a name. Well, the Mary Jane family, they're always just kind of the sideline aunts and moms. Mm-hmm. Usually the important part is, like, her abusive dad, unfortunately. Yep. And Miss Watson wants Peter and Mary Jane to get married, and she also wants Mary Jane to deliver some sweets to Peter's poor Aunt May because she is sick. And so before she leaves, Mary Jane talks to her cat Felicia because... She loves Peter, but she wants to be considered his equal, not just his wife. And her mom's like, girl, you're stuck in an undefined time period with fantasy trappings, so you better get that man of yours, or else you'll get eaten. And also stay on the path in your red riding cloak. Because if you don't, then you'll be eaten just like your old best friend, Gwen Stacy. Watch out, girl. She'll chew you up. Mm-hmm. Oh, here she comes. Wait, oh, here he comes. He's a woman eater. Peter, meanwhile, is getting yelled at for being shitty at chopping wood, and he says that he just wants to look out for the villagers instead, and J. Jonah Jameson is like, Let your dreams die, son. Your arms are like sticks. Also, I love this picture right here, too, because look how tiny J. Jonah Jameson is. Yeah, it's a very, uh, I can't, like South Park is sort of the style, but not really. It's just a very cartoony fantasy book. I would also even kind of say it's kind of like weirdly, like also like a little Tim Burtony too. Mm-hmm. 
Because it uses shadows a lot. Mm-hmm. And Mary Jane stops by, and Peter's sad that he can't be better at supporting him, but she's just like, yeah, but I'm, I love you. You're the best, Spider. I hit this jackpot. And meanwhile, Wolf is watching, and it's like, you may be hers now, Tiger, but soon she's going to be all about the wolf. It's like, are, are, is she going to like fall in love with you? Are you going to try and eat her? Is this like a sexual thing? The wolf is very sexual. It's a bit of all three. Yeah, just like the uh, wolf in Into the Woods. I didn't watch that. Oh. Back, well, I was in choir and you were in band. And that's why sometimes we just can't understand. It's true. But like, Into the Woods was the musical that they always put on when we had like a end of the school year, like day, and we weren't going to like work towards any more concerts. And it was just like, the video that we watched, the wolf costume always had this like genitalia that would drop down when he finished his solo song. Nice. It's like, oh, yeah. In End of the Woods, the whole Red Riding Hood story is definitely about sex and but anyways mary jane runs into the wolf and she ends up running off this cliff to avoid him which is a baller move in the process losing the treats that she was supposed to deliver and when she which is not a balling move she escapes a giant ass wolf man though Ooh, but losing those treats no sweets for the treats Mm mm-hmm yeah may's gonna get sick and die now (laughs) diabetes it's true Mary Jane arrives at Aunt May's place, and unsurprisingly, she finds that the wolf has replaced Aunt May, who, instead of eating her, he's got her tied up for whatever reason. Mary because Jane runs the children's book, Luke. The children's book that I had had the wolf eat Little Red Riding Hood and the grandma, and they were surviving in his stomach before the axeman cut him out. Oh, that's also fair, but... Mm-hmm. Anyways, Mary Jane runs to the basement... And she's standing up to the wolf before Peter comes down the chimney with an axe. He gets disarmed, but he kicks the wolf in the face, so the wolf drops Mary Jane. And together they throw Mary Jane's cloak over the wolf, and then they swing the axe together, literally, like, partially decapitating the wolf so that his teeth fly out of his face. Mm-hmm. Baller move. Oh, mega baller move. And then the cloak is laying there where it looks like there's much blood everywhere, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And they say that they love one another. Mary Jane proposes, and Aunt May's like, well, if you love one another, it's good that you both know how to look after yourselves. And Peter's like, hey, this cloak, maybe it would be a good disguise. And as they go to get the woodcutters, a bevy of villains looks on. With such appearances from the Rhino, the Vulture, what I believe is the Sandman, Carnage, the Hobgoblin, and the Lizard. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and the wolf was sort of venomy. Yeah, of sorts. Issue two, the story is called The Spirits of Friendship, which takes place on Earth 7082, with art by Nico Henriken, with letters by Dave Lanfear, and it's a Anansi story, mm-hmm. and he's an actual, like, religious, mythological figure of the Ashanti people in what is now Ghana. And I tried to look it up and see if this was based on anything real, and it was not. So. It's actually a little surprising, because. It, it feels like it. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, Anansi here is much more of a mature character than he is in a lot of the other stories. That's true. 
Because, yeah, we read one or two of those usually in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And for those of you not in the know, Anansi is the spider god, and he is the king of stories. And one day he was just really bored sitting around, so he ended up climbing the giant web to the clouds to see his father. And instead he ran into his uncle Nabasti, who was also not part of the myths as far as I can tell. And he's like, hey, uncle, I want a quest for power. I want to bend the wills of others to myself. And Nabasti's like, you should earn the power because with great power comes grave responsibility. And Anansi's like, whoa, yo, I guess I'll go and do that. Mm-hmm. Here, take this magical gourd. Yeah, uh, Nabasti tells him to search out the spider orchid, which if he inhales the pollen, it will give him spider powers. And he also warns him that he's going to face some dangers on the way, and he gives him a calabash, which is what the giant gourd is called. You learned something today, didn't you, Devin? I did. That's that thing that Gara always carries around in Naruto's. Mm-hmm. And so as he is climbing down the giant web, the wind spirit hassles him, and he's like, Hey, hey, you want more power? Suck a dick! And it tries to blow him off course, but Anansi opens the calabash, pours out the water, and it ends up sucking in the wind spirit. And Anansi offers to free it if he could get blown back in the right direction, which the wind spirit promises, and he lives up to his promise. And the wind spirit is sort of intrigued on what's going on, so he decides to follow him along. When Anansi goes to the river to refill the calabash, the water spirit shows up and it tries to drown him. Like you do. I mean, like you always do. Mm -hmm. And Anansi ends up absorbing him in his... They call it a kilt. I'm not entirely sure what the regional name for it would be. Basically, but... he sponges the hell out of him. Yep. And then he's like, oh yeah, well this kind of screws over everyone else who needs water. And so he's like, yeah, you're going to provide for these people like you're supposed to and not kill more people. And the water's like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm going to send part of myself to travel with you. And so it goes into the calabash. And so next he comes to this large crevasse and he tries to pull vault across it with a piece of bamboo. But instead he falls into it where he ends up finding an earth spirit. And... He ends up sucking the earth spirit in using the bamboo piece. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to just spread you all across this valley. And the spirit begs to be allowed to join him. And it explains that it only really attacked because it was bored. And so Anansi is like, well, I've also been bored. So you can come along with me too. I like to attack people out of boredom. You too? Yep. You know, like you do. Mm-hmm. And so they end up stopping for the night, and Anansi has started a fire. And the spirits are sort of confused on why he's not really being an asshole, and why he wants more powers. And he's just like, yeah, I want to control my destiny, and I'm not super into being alone. And this is when the fire spirit awakens, and he's like, hey, Anansi, you got my brothers here? They're your slaves or something? I'm going to kill you. You're being a dick, yo. And Anansi's like, I really don't want to fight you. Because you're going to destroy everything, and, like, I have not enslaved your brothers. The brother's like, yeah, no, we're we're here on our own will. Nancy's like, yeah, so I'm going to bounce out of here. And so he reaches the garden alone, and he's suddenly attacked by bees and the bee spirit, who wants to keep the spiders from getting stronger. 
which sort of fit in with the uh, some of the Spider-Man stuff they were doing at the time. Wait, which one, is neat. Yeah, one second, Luke. Are you getting a text? No. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! <laughs> I love my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! <laughs> Bitches, killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey. Uh, so he gets attacked by the bees who want to keep the spider spirit from getting stronger. And he's like, shit, I should have kept my friends along with me. But it turns out that they were following him along, and they all together beat the shit out of the bee spirit. And he finally has the spider orchid in his grasp, but he's like, nah, I don't need more power, because I've got the power of friendship. And after that, all of the flowers died because none of them were pollinated. Oh, that's appalling. I'm leaving this podcast. Can you give me your reason? You know why. Is it because of me? I'll be high. I'm going to go into our Twitter account and delete the page. <laughs> oh no, honey. Please don't. <laughs> oh. Issue 3's story is called Eclipse, and it's set on Earth 7930 with art by Kai Kobayashi, colors by Christina Strain, and letters by Dave Lanfear again. And we start with a young orphaned priest named Izumi who's being called in by his aunt Satsuki before they end up closing the gate at their house for the night. Totally. Well, he's also being followed by some weird, like, looking smoke that kind of resembles Venom's face. Yeah. And it turns out they close the gates at night to keep out the yokai. And the yokai previously killed his family 13 years ago that very night! <gasps> And his uncle Masaru tries to get him to chill out and warns him to stay away from the path of darkness. That night, he's like, now, now, 13 years, 13 years, she gets her ass on the line for 13 years. And he takes his father's sword, leaves the house, leaves the gate open, and he finds himself being beset upon by demonic spirits, including the one that is pretty much Venom. And Izumi is, like, he gets his ass kicked, and the other spirits are sent in to kill his family so when he comes to he's been infected by spirit energy and his house is burning down it's sort of like the legend of Korra stuff with the spirit worm well i mean what's his name i mean all that this book is basically just avatar because anansi basically became the avatar because he got all the four elements to bend to his will <laughs> through friendship and he ends up finding masaru dying and masaru gives him a letter that basically reads when you feel trapped Look for the light on the path before you. No! And we then find that Satsuki has been captured in a large web, and the Venom Sphere expects that Izumi is going to succumb to the poison, kill his aunt, and eat her soul, turning him into a full monster like the rest of his entourage. Hooray. Izumi shows up, and he's got snow-white hair and black-rimmed eyes, and he's much more unique than the other guys. And so the yokai are sent to fight him, and he is hella stabbed, he starts getting angrier, and he transforms. He grows, like, six extra eyes and four extra arms. They, like, grow out of his back, and as he's transforming, he's able to stop the other yokai, and Satsuki is calling for him to stop because she doesn't want him to turn evil, and he ends up stopping the Venom yokai, and he's almost fully transformed, but the memory of Uncle Masaru stops him, and he refuses to kill the Venom yokai. He's like, yeah... 
these guys will probably take care of you. And he takes his aunt away, but he is forever transformed. But now he has a chance to do good. With his creepy red skin. And if you do want to learn more out about the yokai in comic form, you should check out Wayward by Jim Zebkovich. It's sort of like Buffy the Vampire Hunter, but set in Japan. But Jim Zub did a very good job researching it. And he also has some very nice essays at the end of each issue. Nice. I like the Zub. Mm-hmm. He did a fantastic Samurai Jack. Yeah. Well, I was not a fan of the first issue of Thunderbolts that he wrote. Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah. Well, I've got very specific thoughts on what Thunderbolts should be. And I've got my Thunderbolts pitch in my pocket. I know you do. Do you want to see my Thunderbolts pitch? You've sent me your damn Thunderbolts pitch a lot. I know. I've got character designs and stuff. I, I know you do. <laughs> I've seen them. <laughs> do you want to see my Pokemons? <laughs> uh, issue 4 is called What You Wish For, and it's set on Earth 71004, and it was written by C.B. Savolsky and Mindy Owens, with pencils by Nick Dragata, inks by Mike Allred, colors by Laura Allred, and letters again by Dave Lanfear. And it's the best issue of the thing. Oh, yeah, and I love Mike Allred's art. Oh, yeah. Like, inks. Like, he, he totally outpaces Nick Dragata's pencils. Oh, far and away. Yeah, it is on nighttime with knights and princesses and stuff, and the Parker brothers, Benjamin and Richard, are knights. I misspelled knights in my notes a lot. Damn, you did. I was on pain meds. Richard ends up getting hella arrowed to death, and Benjamin tries to save him. But he also gets hella arrowed, and so he asks Norman to look after his son, because he believes that Norman is a good man. And Norman is like, oh yeah, fuck, I'll take this free slave kid. And Richard's like, what? And Norman's like, nah, nah, bro, bro, shut your eyes. You can trust a guy with a goblin mask. Hey, they're just all jealous. They wouldn't be dead if they had more bitchin' ass, uh, armor like he does. Yeah, they don't even have, like, a standard or anything. Just generic. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Norman, looking like a fucking bamf. Yeah, I mean, I would be horrified if I saw that pink and green monstrosity coming at me. Oh, God, yeah, I'd be like, shit in my <laughs> pants. <laughs> and uh, Peter wants to be a knight like his dad and his uncle, but he's working with Mary Jane, who's also a servant. Stormer Norman comes in to chide Mary Jane for not cleaning his armor well enough, and Peter offers to help her since he knows that Mary Jane also has laundry that she needs to do. And so they're teaming up, discussing how the Goblin Press is supposed to strike fear into the heart of the enemies, and we find out that there's going to be a Cinderellaing with the king inviting all of the knights so one of them can marry Princess Gwendolyn. And Wait, is Gwen short for Gwendolyn? Yeah. Is Peter short for Peter Dwindlin? Yes. Is Norman short for Norm Gwendolyn? No, Luke, that's just silly. Welsh is a crazy language. And Norman wants his son Harry to be the chosen one who's going to marry that princess. But Peter's all like, oh man, I've heard she is so hot. And Mary Jane's like, uh, why? He's like, uh, Mary Jane, you're going to help me. Like, I I, I want to tap that. And she's like, uh, okay. But Peter, I want you to tap me. Well, I'm being blind and not recognizing that right now, Mary Jane. So are you going to help me or not? Silly Joan. Clumsy Joan. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So Peter ends up visiting his family tomb, and he's like, I need a, I need a design. And he sees a, a spider, and he's like, yes, father, I will become this spider. And somehow, over the next week, without like anyone noticing, he's able to make an entire suit of spider-themed armor. And he's like carrying Norman his sword, so like, I guess they're bringing swords to the party, and Norman's no. like, hey. Dude, it's a party. You're gonna need your sword. Okay, but at the parties I go to, I don't bring my Glock 9. Well, then you're just not going to cool parties like the Osbournes. Also, look how, like, fucking sick their carriage is. Oh, yeah, they have a pumpkin carriage, but it's like a pumpkin bomb carriage. Like, <laughs> Osbournes travel in such goddamn style. <laughs> and it's that Laura Allred colors, which makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Like, the Allreds are an awesome team for art. Peter finds out that the rest of the staff has been given the night off, except for him, because Norman is just being a specific dick, and he wants him to clean out all the stables, and Mary Jane's like, Peter, I know this means a lot to you, so I'll clean the stables for you. And he's like, oh, can't hear you, already getting my armor. And Gwendolyn is not interested in any of the princes until the Prince of Arachne shows up. That's, that's... Peter Parker, if you couldn't tell. And Gwen is super interested in him, and she's like, show me your face. And he's like, not unless I get to dance with you. And they dance, and Gwen is like, you have some nice moves. And Peter's like, thanks. And Gwen is like, my dad made sure I learned how to stab a motherfucker. And Peter's like, awesome. And Gwen is like, let's get married. And Peter's like, ah, uh, it, it's, it's midnight, I'm I gotta get out of here. And so as he's running away because he doesn't want to get caught, she ends up taking one of his gauntlets, and he's out of there. Can we talk about for a second just how tight, though, all the other helmets of, like, everyone else who's at the party is? Oh, yeah, there's, like, the Venom Knight, the Rhino Knight. There's, my favorite is the Sandman one, which is a little castle first thing representing a sand castle. I do wish some of the other ones had more color to them. I agree, everyone else is just gray except for Venom mm -hmm. and uh, the Goblin. And you got a Vulture. You got a dude who kind of looks like Cobra Commander. He was crossing into this reality for now. And I guess here's my bigger problem, though. Peter's plan is very flawed at this moment in time. Because if he is going to marry the princess, he is going to be above Norman Osborn. So who the hell gives a shit if Norman found out that he snuck away? Like, am I right? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It's a decent point. Like, he should just take his helmet off and be like, bam, marry the princess, suck a dick, Norman. <laughs> uh, anyways, the next day, Norman gets a letter about how the princess wants the prince back, and Norman is down to just murder whoever was in that costume, so Harry can take over. Also, this prevents things like that from happening, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Jane ends up finding his armor, which she was somehow unaware of, and Peter's like, I'm just a servant. She probably doesn't like me. Mary Jane is like, dude, get with her. And Harry shows up and he's like, wait, you're the Prince of Arachne? And uh, Peter's like, ah. And he just runs out of there with the other gauntlet. Norman and Harry end up showing up at the castle and the king's like, oh, you're trying to say that this is the Prince of Arachne? No, we got the real guy right here. 
And also, you've been an asshole to the sons of one of my best knights. You tried to lie and cheat. And then Norman's like, yeah, okay, well, I'm just going to kill you and take over your entire kingdom. And Peter shows up with a sword, fights him, because somehow he's already become a prince. And Harry's like, Dad, what the hell are you doing? And as they're fighting, Norman ends up cutting a cord for a chandelier. Gwen dives to move Peter, so she ends up dying. Peter kills Norman. Harry swears revenge. Peter gets sad. He gets a Venom costume himself. He becomes a new knight. And technically the prince and then Mary Jane is completely forgotten about crying back at the castle. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, he ends up getting his ass killed in Spider-Verse. Yep. But we'll get to that later, though. Mm-hmm. So, you know what it's time for now? Trials of the Multiverse? A happy ever after. For some of these people? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think any of them really showed up beyond uh, Night Spider-Man, but I could be wrong. I think Anansi did. Though there's been, like, more than one Anansi. It's true. Like, there was the one who showed up during Spider Island, and uh, he messed with Hercules and turned him into a spider, and then he had sex with Arachne. Mm-hmm. Good times with comics. Very good times. But yeah, but Anansi at least showed up in there. Yeah, I don't know if the others did. Well, up first we have Earth 7071, the off-the-beaten-path uh, Little Red Spiderhood. And this was a pretty good one. Our uh, current dividing line on our list of 309, wow, we are getting a lot of these, is Deadpool Kills the Creative Team slash Ghost Rider Owned a Fast Food Franchise. And then halfway up there is going to be uh, Villain Con Tanner X Squared slash Super Native Apocalypse. I, I really liked all of these stories except for maybe the third one. Yeah, agreed. So I, I, I'm moving this one, or I'm, I'm moving up the list, uh, looking for some other good Spider-Man stories. Uh, is it better than Venom Punisher? Um, I don't know. What do you think? I don't think it's necessarily that good. I may put it down closer to Egyptia. Yeah. Like, right out, uh, maybe right under Black Sue's world, right above Trust Cap. Yes. Yeah, it sounds good. So our new number 22 is Earth 70701, which is Little Red Spider Hood. Up next we have the Anansi universe, and this was a really good story. Yes, very like, good. The art was awesome. He fought a bunch of bees. So, I mean... It allowed me uh, to make that great Wicker Man reference. Mm-hmm. I'd be up for putting this above... Or right under Venom Punisher. Yeah, it's a good place for it. So, right above Nocturne's world is... Uh, Earth 7082. Anansi's world. Right after that, we have Earth... 79.30, and it wasn't bad. It was just not as entertaining as some of the others. Yeah. Uh, how would you feel about it compared to uh, what if Colossus was magnetized? Yeah, yeah, it's somewhere around there. 
It's, I think uh, it's better than that, though. Better than Iron Man had an eating disorder? Yeah, I think it's better than that. Pirate Johnny's World? Ooh, no. Because, I mean, it, it, Pirate Johnny's World has its clob, it's the clobbering hour. Yeah, and there's swashbuckling. Mm-hmm. So. Japanese Spider-Man did not swashbuckle. Well, he's not even Japanese Spider-Man. Japanese Spider-Man has a giant fighting robot. That's true. Man, Japanese Spider-Man. What a shitty show. Uh, there'd be no Mighty Morphin Power Rangers without that show. I mean, I know, but damn. Okay. Well, uh, no, and new... it's not that one. It's Ultraman. It's the one we all have to really well, bow down to. No, it was Japanese Spider-Man, though, that introduced the giant fighting robots. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, so Earth 7930 is Yokai Spider-Man. And then the last one is the medieval Spider-Man. And, uh... Medieval Spider-Man is by far the best. Okay, is it better than Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane? No. Is it better than Reed Kills the Illuminati? Yes. <laughs> I would put it, like, right underneath Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Oh, no, that's where it's going. It's our new number six spot. Uh, what do we call this? Prince of Arachne? Or just medieval Spider-Man, I don't know. Prince of Arachne is our new number six, bringing our total list up to 313 universes. Wow. So, Devin, what are we covering next week? Some exiles. Yeah, we're going to be finding out some secret secrets. You got a secret? I don't have a secret. Do you have a secret? Gas. And another airplane. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Multiverse Q is a weekly podcast. You can see the image gallery that goes up for each episode at multiverseq.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please send us an email, write us a review on iTunes. If you wanted to chip in some money, I've been making sure that there is bonus content taken out of every episode. I'm not sure if we're going to have any bonus content for this episode, so we may record something afterwards. And uh, I was going to say, because we're not cutting out that fantastic Wicker Man reference. No. And uh, we've also got some other good stuff uh, on all of our social medias. Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Imzy. If you have an Imzy account, join the conversation. Yes. And uh, you can just find more out about the podcast and see the Trials of the Multiverse chart at MultiversalQ.com. If you are going to be at HeroesCon, you can pick up one of the Multiversal Q cards, because I printed up a bunch more of those, and they'll probably be a lot better than the ones I printed up for, like, three times the price, and I only got, like, 10% of them. Hooray! Yep. Uh, Devin, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at FredoFett, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitter at at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G, or at LukeHairLuKeHerR.com. We'll see you next week for Exiles, and until then... This one's for Hank. Oh my god! Oh bees! Get them off! Get them off!
Savage Land. Jesus. But now without context, it's really pointless. It's true.